Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Coder Conversations. We've brought back our guest, Carl. Welcome back. Well, thanks very much for having me again. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, man, definitely had to get you back on, man. Uh, we had uh, some interesting conversations after the last show, uh, especially about the educational system and uh, how we kind of believe it's failing uh, current students. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I have lots of opinions about the education system. Um, so looking forward to discuss that some more. Yeah, most most definitely. Um, do, do you have a, a traditional background in computer science, like a degree at a university or how did you break into the industry? Yes, I, I do, actually. Um, so I, I studied um, artificial intelligence and robotics, which is basically just a fancy name for computer science. If you take a bunch of specific modules um, at the university I went to. Um, so, yes, I, I did study that. I don't regret doing it. Um, but if I could, I would change many things about the, the education system, you know, from the Sure. So, uh, yeah, so we don't completely trash like the university system. What are some of the positive that you've got from uh, attending university? Um, well, I'd say the, the main thing, the main positive thing that I got from university um, actually has nothing to do with the course. Um, and that's the, the connections that I made there. So I met my co-founder that I founded Ravalonso with at university. I secured my first bit of seed funding um, through a university startup pitching competition. And they had a grant um, that was kindly donated by alumni from the university. You know, I met lots of kind of initial contacts who connected me to other people at university. So in that regard, it was incredibly helpful. Um, but as far as the course goes, you know, again, um, I, I'm not saying that I didn't learn anything. I'm not saying that I didn't learn anything useful. Um, but at the same time, I think especially with computer science, a lot, lot of it you can teach yourself. And then, you know, you really have to kind of think about, um, is it worth paying? Is it worth, you know, kind of committing to a multiple year degree to learn something which... Um, if you have the right kind of mindset and the right discipline, you could quite easily teach yourself with the free resources available online to, you know, to a very large degree, if, if not beyond. Um, so you really have to kind of think about whether that's worth doing. You know, one other benefit, I suppose, of having a, a degree is um, in the job application process, it can give you a kind of a bump up. But, you know, speaking personally as a, as, as a small employer, you know, we, we employ um, a few people at Revelancer. Um, education is the last thing I look at. You know, I always look at um, someone's mindset first. What interesting projects has someone worked on, be they as a part of education or outside of it, you know. Um, but that's I'm much more interested in that than what someone's educational background is. Um, so, yeah. But well, you, you believe uh, companies are doing a pretty big disservice to, uh, you know, to their hiring process by ignoring people who don't have the traditional uh, you know, university degree? I mean, I think they're doing a disservice to the applicants, but but even more so they're doing a disservice to themselves because um, I have, you know, the the best developers that I have met have been self-taught, you know. Um, I, may, maybe they have a degree, but, you know, it, you you kind of have to constantly be learning, you know, and and, um, and I've also met uh, met and interviewed many university graduates computer science graduates who have, uh, you know, kind of a high, um, you know, they, they passed with a first class degree. 
they they got very good grades but you know they just are not nearly good enough for the role um so we we had to turn them down so i i disagree with what university tests and kind of how it's it's graded i think it's a lot better than school i really do but i think it still has a a, a long way to go Sure. So like uh, if you can make some tweaks to the university system, how would they be able to better prepare these uh, students to enter the job market? Um, well, I, I think the the main thing is, you know, I remember I did a Haskell module at university um, and as a part of the assessment for that, as you know, a pretty large part of the grade for that module was um, writing Haskell code without access to the internet, without you know a book in front of you or anything, just with pen on paper, and you kind of had to write Haskell code, you know, to fulfill a specific function or, or whatnot. Um, and I think that that is so disconnected from the real world, and, and you know, and, that, and that's maybe an extreme example, but I think generally you can apply that to a lot of university. You know, the the assessments are often. Um, how well can you remember things? Whereas in, in the real world, you know, in the modern real world, um, if you, you know, you can just Google it quickly if you need to figure out how to do something. Programmers do that all the time. There is nothing wrong with that. You know, it, it's much better than trying to memorize everything. You can never do that. Um, so I, I think the test should be more around people's ability to problem solve. So I, I think the assessment should be more around, you know, um, identify a problem that you know you are passionate about and then figure out a solution for it you can use the internet you can use books you can use whatever resources you want that you have access to um, and then kind of assess um, based on that um, I think that would be a huge step in the right direction yeah I agree um, you, you mentioned uh, before some of the candidates who came from these big universities but they didn't quite have the skills necessary. Uh, what, what, what were they missing? I mean, it's very much the, the problem solving. I don't want someone who can memorize things very well because you're never going to memorize things better than, you know, a, a book can memorize things. You know, it's a bit of a crude, crude example, but, you know, you, um, it, it, it's a futile exercise. We have better storage devices than our minds that we can easily access information from. So, you know, I mean, learn, obviously learn some things, but it's more about developing a gut feel um, and, and kind of and, and developing your problem solving ability, which I believe that these candidates um, kind, kind of lack. So, you know, they they got, you know, 90, 95 percent or whatever in a, in a university exam around web development. But then when we actually test them and, and we, you know, put them in the on the spot and give them a coding challenge, um, they just do terribly because it's so different from you know what university tests them on but it's actually more useful for the real world yeah I, I do agree that there's a huge gap between what these real world jobs require and what these universities teach it's almost like they're in their own isolated bubble and you know they, they'll teach a lot of good theory and stuff but uh, when it comes to actually being prepared for the job there's sort of a gap there yeah absolutely uh, how would you recommend like a student fill that gap? Um, well, I'd say work on projects that you're passionate about in, in your kind of spare time, because getting a degree and doing well in a degree, it, you know, can be incredibly useful. Um, I personally don't 
really put much weight on that when I interview people, but I know that I am definitely the exception in that regard and not the rule. Many companies do when they initially screen candidates, look at where they studied, what kind of grades they got, what their degree title is, uh, which I think is a shame, but it's the reality. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying you absolutely need to get a degree, but if you are going to university and are getting a degree, there's nothing wrong with that. But um, spend time, you know, working on, on things you're passionate about, develop your own projects, make sure you meet people at university. Because like I said, that's what helped me the most. I, I met some incredible people, you know, who were absolutely pivotal in, um, in starting my business at university. You know, would I have been able to meet good people outside of university? Yes, I'm, I'm sure I would have, but I met good people at, at university because I think one, probably the best thing about university, in, in my opinion, is that you get people, you know, you get kind of a large group of people who are talented, who have specific interests, kind of together, you know, un, under one roof, metaphorically speaking, um, who you can all talk to. And, you know, maybe in a couple of years, some of these people will be inaccessible you know inaccessible they'll be earning you know kind of crazy salaries they'll be at some other job but maybe for now you can get them involved in working on a project together um you know so i think there are lots of opportunities at university but i, I think you i think you'd be wasting your time if you're only focusing on you know getting the best possible grade and memorizing the most stuff from a textbook if that makes sense Exactly. Something I'm finding, uh, you know, especially as my career progresses and uh, as I explore the opportunities is that soft skills really matter. And, you know, nobody really teaches that, you know, like you mentioned, the ability to network, reach out to people. Um, how would somebody develop those skills? Because, uh, you know, the university or there's not really anywhere that really teaches that except maybe a couple of books or random YouTube videos. Well, you know, I've, I've actually got a, a, a pretty funny story um, that I, I kind of learned from a friend of mine at university, um, uh, you know, which which kind of shows how, you know, some someone who is doing what might maybe initially think is a terrible idea actually works out in the end. Um, and that's that a, a good friend of mine from university, his dad studied at the same university, probably like 20, 25 years earlier. And um, this friend's dad, um, from what I heard, basically spent a lot of time partying, spent a lot of time drinking. Um, he did not really do much university work. He just about scraped by. But one thing that he did do is he developed really good friendships and connections with all of the best computer science students. And then after he graduated, he found um, basically this was in the in the 90s and, um, you know, the, the Internet was kind of a new thing that different companies were adopting to. And he approached a, a large financial institution and basically convinced them to um, give him a contract to help bring them online, which was a large contract. And then he sort of went um, to these really good computer science students, you know, who had now graduated, who he was friends with and employed them to deliver the work. And this guy now owns um, three financial services um, software companies. Two of them are regulated. Um, incredibly successful guy, you know. But if you think about it, he, at, at university, he he didn't really pay attention. He was just drinking and partying the whole time. But still, he is now probably much more successful than the vast majority of his peers. So, you know... Um, sometimes it's it's more about you know kind of who you get to know than 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 what you learn necessarily 
Um, so I'd say that the soft skills are are incredibly important. And the best way to develop them is to just go and talk to people and show a genuine interest. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that's, you know, software engineers, a lot of times we just like to sit there, do the problem and kind of disassociate from everybody. And, you know, it helps us focus. But ultimately, if we just stay in that little bubble, uh, it, it, it develops into kind of a weakness if we're unable to relate to others. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I've been talking to a couple of people and uh, they've actually mentioned to me, like they meet a lot of their connections at uh, cigar lounges. So, yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, I mean, this is slightly, uh, you know, outside of the kind of coding scope, but basically one, one thing that I always say, I've been told that I'm really good at networking. Um, I, you know, in many ways disagree, uh, but I can, <laughs> I can see why people say that because I, you know, I'm not the kind of person who will go to a networking event and kind of talk to, to everyone and, you know, like just kind of start conversations like that. Um, but I, I think what I've always done that's worked really well is um, the best time to network with someone is if not everyone else is trying to do that. So in other words, the worst time to network with someone is at a networking event. You know, mm -hmm. don't, don't even bother because everyone's just trying to shove their business cards and kind of sales pitch in other people's faces and you know, you're going to forget almost everything. So the best places to network are at, you know, at, at the bar, um, at like a, 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 some kind of a con, you know, maybe not even like a kind of a panel discussion or, or you know, talk or some, something like that. Um, where you have the right people who you want to network with, but there isn't that underlying, you know, like um, kind of thing wh where people think that they need to network here and it just becomes a, a, a big mess. Um, so, yeah. Can you tell us about, uh, you know, some of the biggest benefits you've uh, gained from networking from people you've met? Oh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be anywhere near to where I am today if I if I didn't. Um, you know, I, I, I think um, it was one thing that I did, gosh, it was probably about two years ago now when I was still at university is um, I, I sat down and I wrote down what I felt my, you know, I was very honest with myself and I tried to write down like, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Especially what are my, my weaknesses? Because that's a lot more important. And then I kind of came up with strategies of how can I improve them? But ultimately, you know, I, I want to kind of um, speak with other people, you know, who, who can fill those gaps. Um, so that's the best way to, to build a team, first of all. But um, I've always, um, I, I always speak to other people. I always get other people's advice. Um, another thing that I always say at, at Revelance is also all the people I work with is my number one priority is that the company succeeds. Um, so the company needs to, for the best chance of that happening, the company needs to have the right ideas. And I don't care where the right idea comes from, but I want, you know, people to speak their mind. So even if every single idea I say gets shot down and other people present better ideas, I don't care because I want the best idea to, to kind of come forward. So, um, yeah, I'd say it's it's absolutely instrumental to network with people um, and especially to be honest with yourself about your kind of um, shortcomings, you know, not in a bad sense. Everyone has, you know, is stronger in some things and weaker in others, but kind of um, find people who can help you 
um, in areas that you're weaker and then you know you can focus on the areas that you are stronger in um, to to kind of yeah have the best overall chance we're kind of taking it back to the school conversation um like you just mentioned that you want the best ideas whereas i feel like school kind of wants you to agree with their idea so how do you foster that culture of hey if you disagree with me that's fine we just want the best idea there's nothing wrong with disagreement like how do you avoid oh, well that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I, I say that I always make that very clear to new people joining. I also, you know, remind people every now and then um, that I would like them to speak their mind. Another thing I will do is, is um, you know, some sometimes I can uh, get <laughs> I can kind of get a bit talkative, but I will make a conscious effort to try to speak last. So, you know, wait till everyone else has voiced their idea and then then I say what I think. Um, and that tends to, to work pretty well. Um, but also just, you know, kind of, um, you know, actions speak louder than words. So, you know, if somebody else voices their opinion, you know, and their idea, really listening to it, properly considering it, talking it through. And then if, if I do feel that their idea is the right idea, you know, carrying it forward and giving them the credit. How do you determine, like, this is a good idea? Like, is it like a consensus among everybody or is it like more so what you feel? Or... Um, I think it all comes down to kind of logical reasoning. So if they can give a good argument as to why that's the, the right idea, that's ultimately what it comes down to. You know, um, I mean, everyone has their own like sort of gut feel about different things. But I think if, if someone can reason their idea re really well, um, then you know, oftentimes it's worth at least trying, even if I might think it, you know, it's not the right shot, but I don't know everything. I need to experiment with things to figure out what's right. So, yeah. Yeah, I kind of believe uh, your approach is why, like a lot of the smaller companies are creating all the, the, you know, most of the major innovations out there. Because I feel like as a company gets bigger and more established, just, you know, the guy at the top, just, it's like what I feel, you know, uh, but, you know, with these bigger companies, I guess you have to have a firmer control of the reins because there's so many people there. So, um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, yeah. I do feel like I, the, the idea sharing is, is very important. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, the, another thing that I always say to the people I work with is if if I thought that I was smarter than them, that I knew better than them, I wouldn't be working with them. I'd be going at it by myself. But if I were going at it by myself, I'd be an absolute idiot. So, <laughs> you know, um, you, you need, you know, even if I, you know, if, if um, like I said, if every idea that I suggest is, is kind of wrong and doesn't work, as long as there are other people around who present the good ideas, then that's a, a, an overall win for me. So, you know, like, like you mentioned, sometimes ideas fail. How, how do you avoid like uh, punishing somebody for, you know, everybody thought it was a good idea at the time, but it ultimately doesn't work out. Like, how do you avoid making them feel like they're a failure? Um, well, it's about, I, I, th I think entrepreneurs in general um, have a different relationship to failure than, than maybe the average person does, um, which is, you know, I see failure as what it is, a learning opportunity, a very valuable learning opportunity. It's its not something bad. Um, you know, you, you try your best. That's the best you can do. If it fails, you learn a lot from it. And next time you have a better chance. So kind of instilling that in, in other people around me as well, 
you know, so failure isn't bad, you know, it's better we try things and fail because then we can learn and then do it better the next time. So, you know, making sure that people aren't afraid to fail and try things and not, you know, feel like they're going to be in trouble if something that they, they tried didn't work. Exactly. That's kind of like the huge distinction I see between like business and school. With school, you start off at 100% and every mistake you make, you're only going downhill from there. So the automatic, it kind of gives you the mentality. I need to be perfect. I need to do things right the first time. Whereas in reality, that's never going to happen. It's more so like I fail, learn from it, do it a little better, fail, you know, that, that cycle there. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I've, I started trying to make money online when I was around 13 or 14 years of age. And the vast majority of things, 95% plus easily of everything I've tried has failed miserably. But I am, I wouldn't change a thing. You know, I I'd try more things, I'd fail more. That's the only thing I'd change. Um, because, it, you know, it, it's been such a powerful learning experience. We're now at a young age, um, you know, I'm in the position where um, I started a company. So far, it's it's going quite well. I still have a lot to learn, but I think compared to other recent graduates, I I just simply um, you know have a lot more experience from having started so young. Do you ever have anybody at your company who kind of have that mentality like I need to do everything perfect the first time? I don't want to fail at anything. And like, how do you uh, readjust their mindset to to actually deal with like failure and learn from it? Um, so, so typically we don't have people like that because I can, you know, I ask specific questions in the interview to try and figure out if somebody is like that, because I think you need lots of different people in the world, but in a, in an early stage startup with a very small team, um, it, you know, if, if somebody is too focused on making things perfect, it can create a lot of issues. Because oftentimes what you think is perfect and your mind isn't perfect, what you need to do is put something really sloppy and minimal together so you can launch it quickly and then see how customers will react to it mm. and then adjust it accordingly, you know, um, and that's the best way to learn. So I kind of look for people who think more in that way, especially at this stage. Um, but yeah, I, I do kind of also say every now and then, you know, that um, don't let perfect be the enemy of, um, of good enough. The uh, that paralysis by perfectionism, that's something that, you know, I've, I've had to work through with, you know, this podcast because you see people who have like these huge budgets, they have all the fancy equipment, they have teams and, you know, you can't really compete with that. So you just have to put, you know, put something out that you have. Um, it's not going to be perfect. What per perfection often does is it gives you an excuse not to do it in the first place. Like, uh, well, I need to do X, Y and Z. And then you just never do it because the, the bar is so high to actually start in your mind. Absolutely. And the other thing to also keep in mind is, is that there's a, a very good chance that you are your worst critic. There's a very good chance mm -hmm. that a lot of the things you think are wrong with something or not perfect or something, other people won't even notice. You know, and other people will just kind of focus on the on the good things uh, about something. So I think it's all always worth just trying and, and seeing um, seeing what the response is, and then adjusting it accordingly. Um, I mean, you know, the, the people who have big podcasts, chances are they didn't. You know, it wasn't kind of like they just kind of woke up one morning and then they have a, a, a huge successful podcast. It had to start from somewhere. It had to kind of build up. But if you don't let yourself 
go along that journey because you're worried that it won't be perfect in the first place, then you won't go on the journey and you won't ever get there. So best chance of getting there is to let yourself go on that journey and embrace that things aren't perfect yet. And they won't ever be, but you know, you yeah. can, it'll always get better over time. Exactly. And I, you know, I also feel like uh, we often compare ourselves to like their mature product. Like they've been at it for 10 years and, if you're just starting, there's no way that you're going to be able to do what they do. It just takes time to progress and, you know, incrementally get better. So like, um, absolutely. Yeah. Like, what, what are some of the, like the other mental um, issues that you see that uh, people have that kind of disqualify? Well, I don't want to say disqualify them, but, you know, that they can work on to be more job, uh, you know, job ready. Um, I mean, one thing that's important to acknowledge is I think that, you know, in, in a startup, you know, we tend to look for different things to maybe what a big company looks for. Um, but I, I think one of, one of the education system's biggest crimes, in my opinion, is the complete stifling of creativity. And, you know, and, and I think as kids, we tend to be quite creative, you know, and, and we think outside the box. Um, and then as we grow up, you know, kind of part of quote unquote, becoming an adult is letting go of that and kind of be, be thinking more, you know, realistically and, and so on. I think that's a real shame because I think they're you know, there is a huge, huge benefit in thinking creatively and kind of being a bit more of a dreamer. So I, th I and I think that the education system plays a large role in stifling creativity and kind of, um, you know, making people more mature in a, in a negative sense in that regard. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's another thing that, you, you know, kind of you get graduates sometimes who are just, so kind of by the book you know um and i can't think creatively can't problem solve effectively um and i think in a large part that's just because of what the education system has done to them exactly i kind of feel like the education system they're out to kind of create like walking wikipedias like people that walk and they can regurgitate all the facts but can you actually do something um that's that's a that's another failure I see of the uh, educational system. They don't allow you to take your creative idea and do something with it. Like, okay, you got this idea. Now go get you a team together and try to make a product of it. Yeah, and and it's a real shame because I, I think that if there was more of that in the education system, it would just have huge benefits for the economy, for people's happiness, for all kinds of things. Like, um, I know, I know a reason that a lot of people don't start their projects. Like they have a vision. They want to do something is because they feel failure because, you know, their whole life, like the education system, uh, the more you fail, the lower your grade is. And, you know, the lower you're looked at, you might get a spanking at home if you get low grades. Um, so they associate, uh, fear and failure together. Like if I fail, that's bad. And, but like you mentioned, uh, failure actually taught you several important lessons you wouldn't have learned otherwise and it's kind of like the path to success especially in entrepreneurship so um like yeah. if you were to um teach like say some students or like if you were to mentor someone like 
and they have that old mentality of uh, associating fear and failure, how would you get them over that mental hurdle? Uh, I mean, it's a very good question. Um, I think it's just a, so one, one thing that someone taught me, which I I think, you know, has made a huge impact in, in my life. It was right before I went for a university pitch competition where I could win some kind of seed funding for my business. And it was, uh, it was about thirteen thousand pounds. So that's you know roughly the maybe fifteen thousand dollars or so. And um, and in the grand scheme of things for company seed funding, that's nothing. But you know at the time that was more money than I'd ever seen in my life. And you know it was this huge deal of like this could make such a big difference to this business. Um, so naturally, I really played that up in my head, and I got very nervous about the pitch um, because it was such a big make or break situation. And and what this guy taught me. Um, is there's a a buddhist i think it's originally a buddhist concept of um detachment and um and you know and i'm a very kind of logically thinking person so this initially i was very skeptical about this you know actually working for me um because i've tried meditation and things in the past it just never worked for me i mm-hmm. i don't know what it is but but regardless um essentially what the detaching and de- detaching from the outcome is is you know like in that example i was really you know i i kind of thought either i win this 13000 pounds and my you know and i can kind of kickstart my business and hire other people and it leads to all these great things or i don't get it you know, in which case that's awful because I can't take the business further and yada, yada. You know, that's kind of how I played it in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but what detaching from the outcome is, is just really thinking about what is it that you have that you are grateful for um, and, you know, and that you would have either way. So I was thinking, you know, I'm, I'm healthy, I'm, I'm happy, you know, I'm, I'm in, a, in a good position in, in life regardless I can still start this business, you know, and it's basically just get, getting to terms with like, if I were to fail at this, it wouldn't really matter. You know, there mm-hmm. are, I, there are still so many good things that I have. There are, there are still things I can do in that case to um, get my business to the next level might take longer, but so what, you know, um, there are always obstacles. And, and then I got myself into the mindset where I didn't really put that much weight on whether I won or, or, you know, um, didn't win. And I thought more about, you know, I'm passionate about this business. I want to tell these people who are interested in listening to me about my cool idea. And that's basically all there was to it, you know? Um, so I wasn't nervous when I did the actual pitch and I ended up winning it. Um, and, and, and I think that's something that I would definitely try and, you know, teach people is, that's a good, you know, that's an important step to not being afraid of failure. Because like, let's say you want to start a business um, and, and you know, and you're, you're scared that, oh, it might fail. Um, if it fails, you're just kind of where you were had you not tried. But if you don't try, you might regret it for the rest of your life, especially if you're quite young and you don't yet have a responsibility of a, you know, fa- family, um, know kids uh, things like that where you you know you need to be more responsible and and um so and you know that in that case you might regret it so uh, there's a there's a Wayne Gretzky quote you know you miss all of the shots you don't take which is just so very true and and that choosing not to do something is a choice as well you know 
Um, but if you try something, you at least have a have a fighting chance of um, of succeeding, and then you won't ever regret not trying. Um, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. And uh, you know, we have no issues spending time and money on things that we're just going to consume and throw away. You know, so why not spend that same time and money on something that might you know completely change your life? You know, start a business, start a podcast, whatever. If it fails, like you mentioned. Uh, you're in the exact same place, you know, at least, but at, I, I would say, in fact, you're in a better place because you kind of have that knowledge of this didn't work. So I can adjust my game plan and try something different. And this might uh, get me on the path to success. And, uh, you know, something I also find is that uh, we all, like you mentioned, outcome independence. Um, I've had to train my mind to be reward independent, like meaning, uh, I'm not focused on getting that reward. Uh, it's going to come in this due time. I just have to enjoy the process and then, you know, the reward will come on its own. Because if you're too reward uh, focused, when things don't happen exactly how you want to, you, you start getting discouraged. Like, oh, my, my podcast isn't blowing up. I'm not making all of this money right now. But little do you know, like if you had waited a little while down the line, that's when, you know, you would have been rewarded if you stuck, you know, stuck to your guns. Mm -hmm. no absolutely um because you know that you can always get ups and downs but if if you really love the journey um then you'll always keep going and i mean the most important thing with starting any kind of project you know with anything in life really is consistency you know with mm -hmm. like starting a business it's a marathon not a race you don't need to work 16 hour days you don't need to you know, like drink lots of caffeine and not sleep and kind of be mm -hmm. there the whole time. You don't, you know, it's because you're just going to burn yourself out. So then it's just wasted, you know, and you're going to just feel awful. Um, so it's much better to work eight hours a day, work nine hours a day, 10 hours a day, four hours a day, you know, what, whatever time you, you have when you can still, still spend um, time on other things that matter. And then just do it consistently over time. And you're going to have a much, much better chance that way. And you're going to feel a lot better doing that as well. Exactly. Um, you know, it's like, you know, you have a garden. You can't, like, make the plant go grow faster by giving it more water. You know, it's going to, the fruits are going to come when they come. And uh, like you mentioned, uh, burning yourself out. Uh, a lot of people, they, you know, especially in America, it's like grind, 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 work, 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 work. Like there's almost zero work-life balance. But I, I kind of feel like your body and your mind, they give you warning signals. Um, you know, you start feeling tired, you start feeling dreary. Um, that's your, your, that's your, it's your mind saying, hey, slow down. And if, you know, the, the old school American mentality is just blast past it, ignore it. You just got to keep going. And that's just going to make you uh, feel even more depressed. And once you get into that, that you know, that, that severe burnout, you're just going to absolutely hate what you're doing and you're going to stop. So, like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, work smart, not hard. Um, it's, mm -hmm. it's the, you know, I mean, I, ideally both. Right. But if you can only pick one, then definitely pick smart. Um, it, it's it, it, one thing I've noticed with myself is, um, you know, diff different people need different amounts of sleep to function effectively. But what I've noticed for me is I need eight hours. If I get less than eight hours, I notice the impact. So like, Let's say, for example, um, if I get eight hours, I can do in six hours what would normally take me eight hours. You know, it would mm -hmm. take me eight hours otherwise if I only got six hours of sleep, that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, if you take good care of yourself 
and you don't burn yourself out, you can achieve much more in less time. It's not sort of, you know, hours worked aren't really comparable. It's about the quality of work. It's about what you're actually getting done. Um, and at that point, you have to take care of yourself. I mean, many of the most successful people that I know, they don't subscribe to this grind culture at all. And they, they um, you know, they have a mindset much more similar to, you know, what I'm kind of basing a bit on, essentially. Um, which which is, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And in a marathon, you need to pace yourself. You need to rest. You need to, you know, eat properly, drink, drink properly. You need to basically take good care of yourself, take it slow and just be consistent. Uh, but I think lots of people, they just try and sprint, but eventually you're going to, uh, you might get like a bit further at the beginning, faster, but eventually you're going to burn yourself out. And then it's just, you know, it, it's, you're just going to feel awful. You're not going to get where you want to go. It's just a big mess. So just, yeah, pace yourself. Is that something like you actively encourage at your company? Like, hey, you guys are working a little too long. Go ahead and take a break, take a vacation like how do you make sure all yes. your people? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, it, especially, you know, if I start no noticing that someone um, isn't perhaps performing as well as they were, you know, I don't know, last week or last month, um, then I, I would encourage them to take some time off because I think it's just so important to recharge. And I think that people, if people are well rested, they sort of have time to recharge, they're happy um then they do their best work in the time that they're at work and they don't need to stay super late or you know kind of work extra because it's about how productive you are in the allocated work hours not how many hours you you work but you know like mm -hmm. i said like an, an hour of work isn't really equivalent to another hour of work it's all about what you get done exactly um yeah you know the ultimate product is you know the product is ultimately what matters it's just it's not just Oh, you work 14 hours, but, you know, eight of those hours, you're barely doing anything because you're so tired and burnt out. So, yeah, I definitely agree exactly. that, uh, you know, getting sleep, you know, eating properly. Um, do, do you take steps to, like, help your employees eat better? Because I know, like, kind of food is uh, something that fuels the brain. Yeah, I mean, um, not, kind of not not directly. Um but it is something that I, you know, actively encourage, which is just taking care of yourself and making sure that you have a good, a good kind of work-life balance. Because I really do feel like, you know, and 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 you might sort of listen to that and think, you know, oh, I'm I'm just being nice. Um, but it, you know, even if if I'm even if you think about it from like a purely capitalistic kind of profit-driven perspective. I do believe that if people are well rested, if people are happy, they do their best work. So even if you're thinking about it from a purely money making perspective, you shouldn't, you should try and make people happy, you know, because then they do their best work and ultimately that's what's best for the company. So uh, I'm not saying that's my, my kind of angle here. I either, it's definitely something in the middle. Um, but nonetheless, I, I, I think that, I think that companies, my company has certainly benefited from, um, encouraging a good work-life balance and encouraging a healthy lifestyle uh i know like a lot of companies it's like obviously businesses have to make money but some companies go overboard on the profits you know focus on the profits to where you know their uh, the employees start feeling expendable like they don't matter um they're just there to make the company profits and uh 
and they can be let go at any time or any of that. So like, how, how do you uh, um, avoid like falling into that mentality where it's all about the money, you guys don't really matter? Yeah, I think I'm just disconnected for a little bit. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, uh, ultimately, you know, a, a company is a collection of people who um, try, you know, are coming together and trying to solve a, a, a problem together. So, uh, you know, a company um, without the people is nothing. So, you know, I don't for a second think that anyone who works at the company is expendable. If I thought that, they wouldn't be working at the company. Um, you know, um, so I, I think it's just about being, um, you know, really listening to people, acknowledging when they do good work, uh, making them feel valued, um, are all very important things. Um, but ultimately, just acknowledging that the company wouldn't be wouldn't be anywhere without the amazing people who work very hard to um you know to to keep bringing it to the next level because i certainly couldn't do everything by myself you know mm -hmm. again i know what my strengths are i know what my weaknesses are the people who work with me what their strengths are i could not do better than them at all and that's very much by design i actively look for people who can do things that i can't do you know because that's what's best for the company Exactly. I, I think it's, you know, like you mentioned, it's important to gauge the temperature of everybody and to be mindfully aware that their their health matters too. Like, what's the point of money if everybody's sick? You know, nobody likes working there. It's just a miserable environment. Like, uh, you know, companies, they do have to make money, but, you know, the purpose of money is to help people and to an extent, you know what I mean? Like, you know, if you have all the money, but everybody around you is miserable, like what, what, what are you really, you know, like what, what are you really enjoying? Life is miserable because everybody else is miserable. So, yeah, it's just a, it's just a, a bad way of being. You know, it's you can you can get so much further by you know keeping people happy, being collaborative. Um, you really take the company so much further than like trying to use people, make a bit of money, but you don't know what would be possible if you actually had a, a happy and encouraged workforce. You don't know how much further you could actually go. Have you ever uh, thought of like creating a project uh, to uh, kind of fill in those gaps of the, the, you know, the current educational system, something like maybe with coaching or, um, you know, offering courses that kind of help them work on these soft skills and these other, you know, mental skills that they may not have? Um, I, I have. I have thought about it a lot. I definitely want to do something about it in the future. The issue that I'm struggling with right now is I don't I don't know what the best way of doing it is. It's something that I, I do think about a lot. Um, I suppose the the issue is that the education system is so ingrained into culture. It's ingrained into the law. You know, it's not really like, uh, you know, a kid can just choose not to go to school and to kind of learn in a different way. Um, so I, I, I really, yeah, I mean, the honest answer is I, I don't know yet. I don't know yet what I feel is the best um, is the best solution to it. But I definitely want to I definitely want to do something about it. 
um, because I, I just feel like the, you know that right now people are are really being un underserved um, by the by the current system, um, and also because some people, you know, I, I I think that school works well for a small minority of people who have very specific learning style. It works somewhat well for maybe like the majority, and then there's a you know pretty sizable group of people who just don't learn in the ways that school teachers in but you know they're they're not unintelligent they're smart they just learn in different ways but they're just completely underserved by school and i think that's a real tragedy that you know that those people aren't um aren't served properly by the education system so i absolutely want to do something about it but um you know it's something that i'm going to continue thinking about what the best way is and then eventually i i will do something yeah that's a really interesting point you made about like the different learning styles um I noticed, like like you mentioned earlier, some of the people that didn't necessarily do good in school are doing great outside of uh, school, like in business or in life in general. Um, I, I think that the huge misconception is that school is the only great way of handling life, which which is not true. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, it's not true. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, uh, I, and I think it's a, it's a shame also that the education system that that's the message it you know perpetuates. It's like, you know, it's so important that you do well at school. It's so important that you um, do go to university because you know that's what's going to make the difference in your life. But it's like the story I told earlier with my friend's um, dad. He is incredibly successful. You know, I can't even begin to think how much money he has, and he you know he he didn't traditionally do well you know in the in the education system but what he didn't work hard he worked smart you know he kind mm. of connected the dots he found an opportunity and then hired people who could deliver that opportunity you know deliver on that better than he could you know so so um that's you know you can do very well by by doing things like that um but you know one thing that has always puzzled me why not you know why this isn't something more people think is in school everybody does exactly the same thing at mm -hmm. university you're going to graduate alongside you know alongside hundreds maybe thousands of people with the same degree title in your university and then tens maybe even hundreds of thousands of people you know in your country uh, again same degree title and then there are thousands of people the year before who graduated with the same degree title like how exactly is that useful how are you differentiating yourself there mm. you just aren't <laughs> yeah. um, so that's something i've never un understood uh, i mean i've always um, been kind of attracted to the idea of doing things differently and actually doing something new because i just feel that's more useful you know rather than doing a science experiments for example in in chemistry class which the teacher already knows the answer everyone alongside me is doing the exact same thing why would i waste my time doing that you know that's already been documented why, why don't i kind of try and do something different um but yeah school just doesn't you know the education system just doesn't think that way yeah i, I think uh you know the modern school system was or yeah the modern school system was kind of birthed out of the um you know age where they need factory workers they don't need thinkers mm -hmm. They need people who can uh, withstand tedium. So it's just like sit there, read the book, do this worksheet, be quiet, don't talk. And, you know, that's that's what they want. And, in, in, you know, in those factories and those kind of places, hey, don't talk amongst each other. Just do the job because, I, you know, a lot of times when people start talking, 
that's when, oh, hey, we're getting underpaid, you know, or mm-hmm. I told you to do something and then they disagree with, you know, the, the management and it causes all kinds of problems. So I think, you know, school isn't really catered to the, the student. It's catered to corporations and creating a, a, a work, you know, a labor force for them. And, you know, it works great for them, but for you as the individual, um, it kind of limits you. That's what I found, like, makes you afraid to explore new ideas. It, it makes you afraid to even present an idea in the first place in the, in the business arena. Yeah, and, and it's a real shame. It, it, it truly is. Um, it's something, uh, you know, that I wish I could change. And, and especially now um, it, it, in the modern day, you know, where automation is a thing now, you know, if, if you mm-hmm. want an article written, ChatGPT can do it for you. You know, a lot of the kind of, um, you know, not so much thinking work, the doing work is being automated. So I think now it is more important than ever to really um, nurture people's creativity and and their, you know, their, their ability to problem solve and think differently because that's what's, that stuff is harder to automate. Um, and that's what's going to, you know, I think that's what's going to allow them to um, p- pursue something that gives them purpose um, in in life. You know, in the mo- in the modern world where so much of the stuff that in the past you know we had to do manually can now just be automated, and it will just con- you know it'll, it, the level of automation will keep increasing over time. Yeah, exactly. I, I kind of feel like people have to start taking initiative. Like they can't wait on the system or somebody else to do it for them. They have to manually go out there, you know, network with a few people and say, hey, hey, guys, let's try let's try this out. If it fails, oh, well, but at least make the effort to uh, put something together of your own and uh, learn and experiment. Because, uh, you know, if you just follow the system, the system's agenda for you isn't necessarily the best one. Yeah, absolutely right. Um yeah i mean hopefully uh i mean you know i definitely want to do something about this i hope that i will come up with the answer sooner rather than later um but yeah it's i think right right now it's broken but i think this is a starting point just having a conversation about it and and really getting people to think about it because you know i i don't expect um you know everyone who's listening to this to agree with my view on the education system um but what i hope that you know what what i i hope to achieve with this conversation is just to get people to start thinking about it you know don't think you know inherently that school and the education system is great and this traditional way of doing things is great have a think about it you know think about it critically and maybe after you think about it critically you will arrive at the opinion that it is still great and that's fine but at least then you have spent the time thinking it through for yourself rather than just you know, re- repeating and parroting what, what you've been told. Exactly. I think that's a great note to end this show. Uh, did you have any closing thoughts? Well, I mean, it's been really good to, to come on your show again. Thanks very much for having me. Um, and yeah, and hope hope you have a great rest of your day. Oh, same to you, man. I'm glad to have you on again, man. We have to keep on doing this because I, I believe there's some really good conversations here. Sounds good to me. All right. We'll catch y'all next right. time. Peace.